Hello and welcome to Interdependent Study, our podcast, where we engage in the learning and unlearning work for social justice and collective liberation. I'm Aaron. And I'm Damien. Thank you so much for joining us today. For those new to our podcast, Interdependent Study is meant to be a space and community for folks who believe in and want to do the work of social justice. Each week, we'll bring something new to the table and discuss our thoughts and feelings about it through the lenses of who we are and where we can go for a more just society. And we want interdependent study to be a space where we're always learning with one another. Uh, And Damien, you are up this week. So what are you bringing to the table for us today? I am up this week. Um, So today, I've brought an article to the table for us. It is called, Police Have Been Spying on Black Reporters and Activists for Years. I know because I'm one of them. What a title. Yeah. Um, And it was written by a journalist named Wendy C. Thomas, who is also the founder and editor of this organization called MLK 50 Justice Through Journalism, which is actually a nonprofit digital newsroom that reports on uh, various economic justice and policy issues uh, throughout Memphis, Tennessee. Mm. And so if you haven't had a chance to check out the article yet you can find it actually on the neiman lab website it's also on propublica um and it's also on mlk 50s website which i certainly yep. would encourage folks to to check out um but this was a fascinating article right like and i mean the title alone is sort of <laughs> there's a lot there yes um you know and i think it speaks to some of the rather significant issues we face as we think about and engage in this work like this article is all about wendy's experiences after discovering that the memphis police department was spying on her and three other journalists in fact um, Mm -hmm. as part of their efforts to sort of track activists and organizers and infiltrate the black lives matter movement and so in this article, she sort of like lays out this timeline of events surrounding that discovery, some of the history of police and government surveillance in, in Memphis, and then what her organization has taken away from that experience as they sort of continue to do this investigative journalism work. Yep. Um, and so there's a lot there. Um, I, I think this was a really fascinating article, uh, and I, I, I'm excited to see sort of where we, where we go and what we sort of talk about here. Like, where do you want to start? Yeah, uh, f- you know, for a relatively short piece compared to some other stuff we have read, uh, this is jam-packed yeah. stuff. Um, you know, it points back to some things that we said uh, and talked about in the MLK FBI documentary. Oh, yeah. Which I think will be a kind of a, th- a theme here as we yes, talk absolutely. about the article. Um, you know, in that documentary, they talk about this widespread surveillance of the FBI from the FBI of people who were involved in the Black Freedom Movement. Um you know, whether directly involved or kind of on the the, the outskirts of it and like just showing up to events uh, or marches or, or stuff. And there were files on everybody. Yeah. Um, I think there's also some themes in here connected to our discussion last week about white supremacy culture, oh. um, which, you know, maybe now that I, now that we've talked about that here, I might always say that there are things tied to that. I'm OK um, with that. So, yeah. yeah. Um, just a, a warning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and one of the things that stuck out to me, um, you know, actually in the article, um, were the tweets and posts from Wendy Thomas that the Memphis Police Department were tracking and screenshotting and keeping on file. They didn't have a lot of attention on them. No. Right? Like, she was like, you know, when they screenshotted it, it had five likes mm-hmm. and, um, you know, this thing was retweeted twice and um, that kind of stuff. So it wasn't, it wasn't things that were... 
um, highly visible um, across the city or across the community or, yeah, or the internet. There. Yeah. Um, so you know the the audience for these particular posts um, wasn't huge, right? She wasn't part of the movement, like leading movement work in terms of being an activist on the ground. Yep. She was reporting on things and was sharing things that were piece, factual pieces of information related to the sort of work and reporting that she does. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It made me think, like, what are the qualifications for spying on someone? Like, mm. what are you? What are your? What are your guidelines for choosing to do that? Is it their political stances, their position in society? Like she's a reporter, right? Um, is it the things that she was writing about? Yeah. Is it the color of her skin? Ooh. Um, uh -huh. Is it combined with those other things? Or are they just tracking everyone that they can who seems to be in sort of a, a kind of critical stance of, of whatever a city or a police department or something might be doing? Um, it's just very... Um, mind-boggling to think that like you screenshotted these tweets with so little engagement and right. what 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 was the purpose ultimately other than just tracking keeping stuff on file it's, yeah it's bizarre to think about it is i agree you know it was you know i it sort of makes me think about like one of the things that stood out to me was like just this idea the word i sort of could come up with in my mind was like their boldness right like mm. like the city of memphis and the the memphis police department's like efforts to 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 just sort of monitor these folks and and certainly this you know amounts to harassment and and really surveillance of of Wendy and and these other journalists and, and activists and organizers and yeah I thought about that too like the she like took the time in her in this article to mention sort of that these weren't really sort of highly engaged with posts no um, yeah. and so like what are y'all doing um, and so like that was happening and they were doing that sort of despite and in violation of what she refers to um, and sort of brings up of the 1978 Kendrick consent decree. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'll be honest, y'all, that was the first I had learned about the decree. So I had to sort of look it up and I wanted to share what that is all about, just in case folks also aren't familiar with it. Um, the quick version of the story is that back in 1976, the ACLU of Tennessee sued the city of Memphis for violating residents' First Amendment rights um, as they were sort of maintaining records of this just unverified information related to their engagement in peaceful protest and lawful protest, you know, which the ACLU argued in their suit that that served no lawful or valid law enforcement purpose, mm -hmm. right? And so then as a result of that lawsuit in 1978, a judge signed the Kendrick Consent Decree, which was actually the first of its kind in the country. And it barred law enforcement from surveilling protesters for political purposes. Um, so like, you know, progress, right? Great to see that. But I think what's really wild is that despite that, the Memphis Police Department and the city were sued yet again in 2017 for violating that decree. Mm -hmm. And so, like, we see in this article, like, the various ways that the city and the police department were really just quite bold uh, in their efforts to, like, clearly violate and continue to violate that decree and the First Amendment rights of the citizens of Memphis, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
And like it, and and you just brought this up, right? And I think it's so true. Like it, it did make me think of our conversation a few episodes back about the government and the FBI right. and their surveillance of MLK. And this is, of course, Memphis again, right? Um, and and his folks. And so, you know, all of that to say, like, I'm just. It just reminds me of this work and its importance, right? This fight for social justice and that it's a fight against the organizations and institutions that are supposedly quote unquote here to serve and protect us too. Yeah. I think they, um, they, they put themselves in that position as well. Right. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, but I, I think about the consent decrees. I'm like, well, what do they do? Right. Yeah. Like they're, they're huh. signed in and what kind of accountability measures are in place? Like who's mm-hmm. watching it or does it yeah. take a, an individual, not individual, but independent organization yes. like the ACLU to then sue and say that you're not following this thing. And you know, that the, the resources and time uh, and energy that that takes to do, like, shouldn't somebody be watching them sort of just full time? Like at what point do you prove that you can no longer fully function? Uh, we can't trust you to function in a way that is legal and abiding by the first amendment rights of the citizens that you're so-called serving and protecting. Right. Um, so yeah, like at what point does this add up to something that's like pretty drastic in terms of accountability or mm-hmm. um, something for that department? Um, the other thing that I that I thought about too is the um, about this article is the way that she finds out is wild to me. Mm. Right? She's sitting in a courtroom. In a courtroom, right? Um, and. The, uh, a lawyer asks an officer who's on the stand, um, okay, and well, what does this post signify? Like, what does this tell us? Uh, and the officer says, well, it says that I was following Wendy C. Thomas. <laughs> and she's and like, she, me? <laughs> she's like, in the article writes, I sat up. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. It's just so wild to me that like she wouldn't have known unless it had come out in this way. And the 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 lawyer had asked that question in that way. Yeah. It was very publicly and, you know, blunt, um, sort of direct, uh, about, well, what does this mean? It means I was following this person. Well, yeah. why are you following them? Right. Well, cause, blah, blah, blah. and just, just, a, I, I had a, a moment where I was like, what would that be like? Where you're just sitting in a courtroom and you're like, Oh, y'all have been spying on me, me, little old me. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just, it's just, uh, wild to think about absolutely um i yeah i appreciate you sharing that um you know another thing i would have been thinking about and it's been sort of like bothering me uh is actually sort of related i guess to what i talked about earlier right about this idea of the surveillance that the city of memphis and the memphis police department has done mm-hmm. right and and that's this idea that like elements of our government and, and some of our institutions have these fears about the movement for black lives and the idea that black lives matter, right? Like that black lives matter is such a dangerous and scary notion or thought, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I know none of this is new and we've certainly had lots of conversations about this on the podcast and outside of it, but like, but to sort of see this happening in the present day and like to hear about efforts to quiet journalism, uh, journalists, excuse me, and, and activists and like to read about, as she 
points out in this piece, like the this long history of spying and surveillance that's taken place in the city of Memphis, you know, and we know that that extends to other places beyond Memphis, right? Like all across our country and even in the world, right? right? Like it's just infuriating, right? And it, it to me, it's so disheartening, right? And, and in many ways for me, it, it's sort of hard to wrap my head around how big of a monster this may be or is, right? Like I certainly know and believe that there are lots of folks in our government and our institutions that believe in this work and, and believe that Black Lives Matter and are, and are working very hard in support of that. But then there are articles like this one, you know, and, and sort of what's exposed in it that remind me, as I mentioned earlier, like sort of what we're fighting against. Yeah, I think, um, you know, and I said this this a minute ago, but like they put themselves in that position. So it's yeah. it's there seem to be a lot of people um, who are going to try to block progress kind of any way that they can, because they seem to be set in the ways that things currently happen. Yeah. Right? Um, and so there are lots of different ways that that can happen. Um, one of the things that stuck out to me that's kind of connected to this is okay. the sort of sheer pettiness of the mayor um, deciding not to participate in an interview yes. with Wendy Thomas because she has been critical of him um, in the past, critical of him and his administration in the city. Right? Yep. Um, it's not surprising, um, but it's another example of kind of the fragility of our elected officials who also happen to be white men. There it is. Um, I figured you were coming there. Yeah. And then, it's also, I think this is where, for me, I really saw, and there are lots of other examples of this, I think, in the article, but this is where it really stuck out, is this is where it's tied to white supremacy culture. Okay. This is literally fear of open conflict of leaders being afraid of being called out in some ways. Yes. Um, you know, and then she also writes that she had to sue the city after it refused to include her on the media email advisory list, um, which is also sort of a form of power hoarding yes. um, and preventing her from reporting on what the city is doing, which is, you know what her work is um, literally yeah yeah and connected to her first amendment rights and so therefore also um connected to sort of what this the police department there is doing in terms of surveilling people so um it's very um interesting to like unpack all those things and, and the way that that she lays all this out is really um great and insightful yeah no and i appreciate you naming that right because she doesn't name that in this right because she's sort of this investigative journalism journalist but sort of as we're sort of having these conversations week by week to sort of make those connections to mm -hmm. what we're talking about um i i, I love that yeah absolutely um at their fragility yeah as soon as you said that i was like oh i know where he's going I'm like, yeah. yeah absolutely um so there's there's that um the, something else <laughs> you know you said something earlier i think um and it reminds me of something else that sort of was weighing on me after i read this piece um and i don't know if this is fully accurate or true so i'm gonna i'm gonna preface what i'm about to say <laughs> by this it may not be true may not be a fully formed thought so maybe We'll call it a first draft thought. We, we use that terminology at work. This is a first draft thought. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I've been sort of struck by as I have like reflected on this article a bit um, is that it sort of calls attention to the fact that black journalists and activists in Memphis are the ones being surveilled and monitored by uh, the government and, and the institutions in Memphis, right? And 
in this article, Wendy also shares, as I mentioned earlier, like some of the history of how in the 1960s, the Memphis Police Department wasn't just spying on activists, right? Like they were also spying on teachers meetings and a college black student union and some labor organizers. Um, And of course, you know, as we've talked about here before, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. and, and his comrades. And so many of the targets of this surveillance, both in Memphis and certainly beyond, are black folks right and so like and that obviously makes a lot of sense right given sort of the work that these black folks are engaged in but it sort of gave me a little bit of pause and sort of made me ask the questions like it isn't just black folks and folks of color right like there are certainly white folks engaged in this work and in organizations there are white journalists reporting on these efforts and these issues um you know are those folks also being surveilled, right? right? Like, are they on list too? Like, I, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, I don't think it's right that anyone be the target of this kind of government surveillance and, and harassment. But like, it just sort of made me think, like, are, are there other folks also being surveilled and harassed? And so I just sort of wanted to sort of pose that as a, as a question. Yeah, I think um, probably, yeah. right? Um, I think those are great questions. Like who is being followed and surveilled and tracked? Who has files on them? Um, what kind of files do they have on different people? Ah, and that's do good. they have a rhyme or reason to it? Or is yeah. it um, based on their perceived ideas of what um, is a dangerous political idea or yeah. something? You know, um, I, I don't know. But to think about them looking at teachers meetings, right, without knowing anything else outside of what what you just said there kind of and labor organizers they had to have been at least in the history spying on on white folks as well right yes in, involved in those kinds of meetings so yep um maybe it's happening with i don't showing up for racial justice i think has a pretty active memphis chapter yeah um so maybe they're spying on those folks too uh, who knows yeah. um wow but again, they would see them as direct allies with like, um, you know, movement for black lives or black lives matter kind of, uh, organizers as well. So that, that would absolutely also, uh, you know, putting yourself in their mind for a minute, like that would also strategically maybe make sense to them in some kind of whatever warped way that they have decided that that makes sense. That that makes sense. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. All right. So I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, again, it's, it's not right, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but um and it's not okay and it's not okay i like it (laughs) uh all right with that i think this may be a good place to shift and talk a little bit about application work yeah um so you know i i was really intrigued by one of the final paragraphs in this article uh where wendy sort of referenced mlk's mlk 50s excuse me coverage of a civil disobedience training that took place back in june of last year and so in that in the article, there was actually a link to MLK 50's article about the training. Mm-hmm. So I actually clicked on it and I read it. And I'm really glad that I did um, to, to sort of sum it up. Basically, this training was attended by almost 400 people and was led by a bunch of organizations, the Memphis Coalition of Concerned Citizens, the Memphis Activism Calendar, uh, and of course, the Black Lives Matter Memphis chapter. And the training was for folks to learn about their rights as protesters uh, to navigate and, and network with other activists and then to create a plan for amplifying 
their collective messages and these organizations' collective messages of equality and justice and, and peace. And this is certainly all in the wake of George Floyd's and Breonna Taylor's murders. Mm-hmm. And the article itself featured quotes from attendees about why they attended the training and what they took away from it, which in itself, in and of itself, was incredible to read and and certainly inspirational in terms of application work for all of us as to why this work is important. So that's sort of one piece of application work I'm taking, sort of their quotes and and why they they do this. Um, But I think it also spoke to this larger issue about how MLK 50 changed its practices around covering, organizing, and activism work that's happening, um, especially given everything Wendy and others had been through and sort of their commitment to protecting people from surveillance and retribution. And I, I loved that, and I see that as good application for uh, and as a model for other news organizations that are reporting on this work and this movement as well. Like We've got to protect people. Um, as best as we can and if we know that this stuff is happening then especially for our news organizations right it it makes sense to make some changes in how you report on that yeah definitely yeah i really appreciated seeing some of that too in terms of them thinking strategically about how to report on things that are happening in the community in that way um i think that's also uh, this article applies to a lot of different people who might be tangentially involved in protest or movement work like you know if you like something what does that mean is somebody Uh, like now tracking you right yeah um i think it depends not on how paranoid we are but how uh, depends on how paranoid our local police department or city might be um you know whether or not you're tracked like that's the only guess i can make is how paranoid are they in terms of um a a, you know so-called threat to their order or whatever it is that they see that they're protecting Um, especially when they're setting up fake accounts and pretending to be other people which was the case here right yeah Yeah. um and this is also directly connected to what police departments and other agencies have done to infiltrate organizations right like pretending to be other people and spying on the actions of organizers at events and um, behind the scenes meetings and then sending reports back to law enforcement officials that um, then are used in a variety of different ways, sometimes leading to some people's deaths and yeah, right or um, yeah. So um, it's all it's all connected to that, right? And we talked about it a little bit with the MLK FBI documentary. And, yeah, yeah. It's it it is fascinating to think about sort of the twenty first century application of this being like what social media means, right? Like you talk about yeah. likes, like I throw right. a like at a post. It, it oftentimes. I like a lot of stuff on social media, right? But mm-hmm. like, is is a single like worthy of being tracked and surveilled and monitored? Right. Like, my goodness. Right. Well, and there's no right. Like, I think that was one of my points I was trying to make earlier. Is like we have no way of knowing. Yeah. What it is that they are, or the the rhyme or reason, right? I think I said yeah, that earlier. Yeah. Like, why they are actually tracking people. And so if we don't know that, it's hard to say like that they wouldn't start saying, oh, this this Damien character has been yeah. liking these posts um, on this organization that we deem radical and, wow, um, you know, whatever a they threat deem or yeah, whatever threat. it might yeah. be. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That's a really good point. Radical and dangerous or whatever it is. Yeah. All right. All right, well, let's shift and let's move on to homework. Um, and I think there's lots of things we want to do now after after this conversation. 
you know, for me, this was the first I had learned of the MLK 50 Justice Through Journalism organization and newsroom, um, which I'm not necessarily surprised about, given that obviously its focus is on Memphis and issues facing marginalized communities in that city. Uh, but I poked around a little bit on their website, and, and I think homework for me is to do some more of that because it looks like they're doing some pretty incredible work, actually, through a lot of their investigative journalism. Like, their work has helped expose predatory practices and labor wage in- inequities by mm. uh, Memphis's largest hospital system. Um, wow. And it's also helped to expose donor records and sort of um, initiate progress reports that had historically been kept secret by the Memphis Shelby Crime Commission, um, among other things that their their journalism has sort of revealed. And so uh, I think they're, like I said, they're doing some really good work. And so, I, you know, it's always just good to sort of learn about what's happening. And so I want to read more of their articles, learn about what's happening there. And then certainly then expand uh, my horizons a bit, if you will. But I think that would lead me to looking at some of some of the similar kinds of reporting of efforts that are happening more close to home here and where we are here in sort of the DMV. So um, that's mm-hmm. some of the homework I want to do. Yeah, that's some great homework. I'm going to co-sign and borrow some of that. Um, I also want to read a little bit more about the sort of uh, strategies of the the do's and don'ts of covering protests um, that she links to in her article um, that you kind of alluded to. But I wanted to get into like the actual like list, like what do you suggest that people don't do Um, and kind of look at that and just uh, learn about what that what that means and what that looks like, because I think that's um, fascinating to think about how do we cover this sort of ethically with the, the people um, who are present with their safety of mind and, yeah. and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, that's that's where my mind is going for homework. I think what's also could be illuminating about that, right? So you're talking about sort of her her links to like the do's and don'ts of covering protests. Like certainly yeah. we're not journalists, but I, no. I I think it would be fascinating and illuminating to know what she sort of deems and her and her newsroom sort of deems as these do's and don'ts around covering it. And I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm speculating here, like if that would be useful information for folks like us who are engaged in this work and who may go out and be in a protest, right? right. And, and doing this, right? To sort of understand what sort of, you know, what they, what she sort of deems as best practices around how it's mm-hmm. covered. I don't know, like there, there may just be some similarities and or just good things to know as we engage in that as sort of the, the folks who could be covered um, to know sort of what those best practices are, so. I, yeah, yeah, it might guide what you share, what you don't share with somebody, ah, yes. right? Like, and that was one of the yeah. things I thought of too, is like, is it gonna exactly. tell, not tell me, but like inform me a little bit of what is an ethical way to, to do it, so it might inform me what are the things I should share or maybe not share and yeah right. um or and so, think yeah. about the kinds of questions that are being asked by said journalists right. right if we're being interviewed or whatnot yeah yeah so that's good not point. that i'm anticipating any of that happening but it's i think it's it's um you know illuminating it's it's interesting to to kind of learn about absolutely yeah very good all right aaron you are up next week yes what are you bringing to the table in our next episode well, this is um, directly in line with our discussion today about uh, state surveillance of, of people oh, okay. uh, and organizers. So I was going to bring the movie Judas and the Black Messiah to the table. Awesome. All um, right. So it's the story of Fred Hampton, the chairman of the Illinois Black Panther Party, uh, and the surveillance that the FBI uh, and the Chicago, Chicago Police Department did with the 
chapter um, that led to his ultimate assassination by a combination of those agencies. Um, yeah. It's a really um, excellent film uh, in terms of just kind of being well done. Yes. Like moving, um, great performances. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about that next week. Yeah, I love that. Like it came out, I don't remember when it first came out on HBO and Earlier then it went away. Yeah. It went away for a while and mm-hmm. now it's back. So if you want to if you want to watch folks and check it out, it's on HBO Max mm-hmm. uh, now. And yeah, I, I watched it when it first came out. It is fantastic. So, oh man, I'm excited to, to watch it again. And yeah, we'll talk about it next week. That's awesome. All yeah. right. All right, folks. So with that, we want to thank you for joining us today and for listening to interdependent study you know what we want you to do but in case you forgot please follow leave a rating and review share our podcast with all of the people in your life follow us on social media sign up on our email list to get notified about any new things we've got going on the behind the scenes we want to hear from you we thank you so much for 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 joining us yes thank you for listening and remember it's not about us but it is about us and we'll talk to you next week 